Hey everyone, Joe here from Modern Heathen Man. I'm doing a special Modern Heathen Man today. Um, I haven't done one in a while and I apologize. Um, so, let's get started right away. So, grab yourself a horn, grab yourself a cup, grab yourself some mead, grab yourself some coffee, grab yourself a mug, grab whatever you like, sit back and enjoy Modern Heathen Man. Joining me today is Kelly, my wife. Hello. So, we're going to talk about some stuff here in a little bit. Um, I've been getting a lot of emails lately and a lot of messages lately of people asking, how do I become more like you? How do I become what you are? How do I, you know, do the things that you do? How do I become a better heathen? How do I become better in a satru? How do I start? Any number of questions. And... I like the old system of keep it simple, stupid, you know, the KISS system. Not that you're stupid, don't misunderstand me. But the simpler it is, the easier it is to follow. So, with that said, I'd like to go over a few things here today and just begin at the beginning and start the easiest way and answer all these questions at one time with one podcast. Um... I know I did a one-on-one podcast, but that was a little more in-depth. This one's just going to be basically me talking and saying what needs to be said. So, with that said, let me say this, and this alone. How you become like me, how you become better in heathenry, how you become a better asatruer, how you become a gothi, how you become a vitki, how you become a... Whatever you want to become on this path, there's only one way to do it. And that is by practicing the faith. It's that simple. As I said many, many times, our faith is a faith of learning. Our faith is a faith of reading. We search the sagas. We search the eddas. We search the havamals. We search all these different things looking for pieces of wisdom to help us through our lives. We search our ancestors. We search our warriors, we search the Einherjar, we search for the gods, we search for each other. It's a constant search. But all you have to do is practice to become better. By practicing, I mean just immersing yourself in the faith. Immersing yourself in the part of what we believe that lends you the ability to want to study and learn more. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you, the books for the regular person today are not easy to go through the way they were written, the way they were translated, the time they were translated. You almost think we need new translations, in all honesty, that are more layman's terms of today's English rather than the old English. But, with that said... You end up losing something in those translations, and you end up losing a piece of it. You know, like, um, Havemall 34 um, is my favorite Havemall. You know, and it's, um, the way it's worded is a little bit different than the way I want to say it. I'm going to have Kelly look it up here real quick while um, I'm talking. You know, Havemall 34 is a great wisdom and the more you understand it, 
the better it is. I'm only using this as one example. There's there's so many more, and I'm just going to say this one, and you'll get the meaning of what I say. So, the actual Have Mall 34, you want to read that, Kelly? I don't have my glasses on. Oh, yeah. Um, which translation do you want? Either one, anyone. Okay. Uh, this is the Bray translation. You can just read a few, actually. Just say which translation is okay. and read it. The first one I have is the Bray translation. Long is the road to a false friend leading, even if he dwell on the way. But though far off fared, to a faithful friend straight are the roads and short. That's one translation. And here's Thorpe. Long and Long is and indirect the way to a bad friend's, though by the road he dwell. But to a good friend's path, the lie direct, though he be far away. Read one more? Yeah, uh, this is Terry's translation. A bad friend lives far away, though his house lie on your road. But it's no distance to one who is dear, though you travel many miles. Right. So those three translations basically say the way I like to say it. A good friend's house has a well-beaten path no matter how far. A bad friend's house is overgrown no matter how close. It's really simple. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's really hard for people to read, and I understand that, but if we take the time to read it, understand it, look it up, try to determine what it's saying, and really search what's being said to us. If we search for Odin... If we search the gods, we search the ancestors, and really begin to be part of our faith and ask, sacrifice, time, effort, build altars to really... Hi, Binky, my kitty's saying hello. She's adding her two cents and what she thinks <laughs> is, is necessary for the faith. So if we add all those together, what we get then is we get a meditation, we meditate on those words, and we ask the gods to help us understand them. We sacrifice something we have to say we really want to know. We ask Odin for his true wisdom to flood us, to help us understand what is he saying to us in these translations. And in doing so, we begin to become deeper and deeper in the faith. It's that simple. So studying isn't always a part of understanding everything immediately. Sometimes it takes meditation to understand those pieces fully. What do you think, Kelly? Yeah, I, I think meditation is a good thing. I think you, you need to like study each stanza of the have mall and, and meditate on what it means for you and pick, pick a translation that, you know, goes with you, you, you know, or you understand and um, meditate on each ver each stanza and it's just what um, I don't know I'm, I'm not getting my words out right today I'm sorry but it's uh, yeah meditate and understand and, and take it in and uh, you know if it takes you a little longer to take in one stanza than another then that's just how it is and, right. you know you just got to think on it until it clicks right you know, the other thing is people talk a lot about, you know, building their altars. And um, recently I've gotten a couple emails about altar building. And, you know, I say, be, you know, be your altar. It could be an outside altar. It could be an inside altar. An altar can be as simple as something like a log that you just set up. 
cut the end off, set some stuff on top of it. And when I say set some stuff on top of it, I mean you may have a horn if you have a horn, or you may just have a regular cup to drink from. You may have an offering bowl of just a piece of wood or just a regular bowl from your kitchen. These, you know, you don't have to have extravagant things in order to have a wonderful altar. I mean, my altar is made of an eclectic number of things that I've gotten from people, from places, and um, different things here and different things there. And yeah, after a while, it looks like something really extravagant, but it's really not. It's just little things here and there that I've picked up and gotten gifts and so on and so forth that have become part of my altar. It's really basic. Um, you know, altars don't have to be so extravagant. What I do recommend is that you do have one somewhere. I mean, even if you put a little tin together in your pocket with a couple of things here and there that you can open up and put the stuff on your little tin and make that your altar that you carry around with you, or you just have hidden somewhere aside in a small box in your bedroom or wherever. I mean, it's necessary to have an altar. Well, what do you think, Kel? Yeah, I mean, I've had really extravagant altars where I've had um, gifts from other people and I had the space for it. Right. You remember that one? Yeah. It was huge. Um, I had like a six-foot altar table in our bedroom um, that had shells and pictures and all, things that reminded me of other people and uh, that would help me along with our faith. Now that's all packed away, um, but I still have it. I still think about it all the time. But uh, I have my own personal small altar in our bedroom. Joe has one in our bedroom. I have a small one out in our living room. Um, I have two in the yard, yeah, one in the yeah, shed. You have two in the yard, one in the shed. So we have altars all over the house, and we've encouraged our kids to make an altar, too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, found objects are good. You know, things that you think are gifts from the gods. Right. Um, or the fae, or the the elves. You know, right. Things like that are, are important to have on your altar. Things that remind you of your faith. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to be a symbol of faith to anybody else, as long as it means something to you. Right, things that remind you of the gods. Like, you know, you may find a crow feather in your yard or a blackbird feather in your yard. If that reminds you of Hugin and Munin and reminds you of Odin, put that on your altar. I mean, meditate on that. This is a gift from those to you to say, yes, I was here and I was looking and I was watching and I was seeing and I was reporting back what's going on at this place. It's not that hard to follow the faith if you look of ways of doing the faith that are outside of the normal box. I mean, it doesn't have to be always extravagant bloats and sacrifices and all this other stuff that people look at as the only way to worship. You know, it's not that way. It's not that way at all. And again, we don't worship, we venerate, and I use that word wrong, and I apologize for that. But in venerating our gods, it can be something as simple as carving an effigy onto wood, putting it in a yard, building a garden around it, and remembering Thor each and every day. And the sacrifice you make is the time you take to tend that. Well, I don't think it even has to be that much. No, I'm just though. saying, it could be that simple, though. I mean... I mean, your altar could be just a moment of reflection as you go mm -hmm. past it, you know? Yeah. It, that's what I have the one in the living room for. has a bunch of little things in it. But every time I pass it, I take a moment of reflection and think about the things in the altar and think mm -hmm. about what they mean. Yeah. You know, wearing our hammer each and every day or, you know, feeling it every once in a while throughout the day to know that it's there... 
or, you know, sharing our faith with somebody else and telling them, you know, what our faith is and, you know, how it works and where it comes from. And all that stuff is part of being what we are. It's not that hard. I mean, it's not that hard to be what we are. And I think sometimes as humans, we complicate it a lot because we expect it to be harder than it is. Um, we expect it to be, you know, really extravagant. I, I can't see the ancestors in the lifestyle that they had with, with the lack of time they had because of farming and prepping and doing all this stuff for daily life. I mean, you look at a, you know, our ancestors and one of the, you know, women in the place, you know, making breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they didn't have microwaves, they didn't have stoves, it was all made in the fire, so you're talking massive amounts of prep, massive amounts of production, massive amounts of cooking, and then on top of that, when all that was done, they had to clean up, massive amounts of cleaning up. I can't imagine where they had so much time in a day where they could devote four hours to worshiping. I don't see that. You know, I don't see a day where they can devote wholly to worshiping and not doing anything else. And pardon the pun if you're, you know, semi-Christian, but the whole day of rest thing, there was no such thing. You know, with the farm needed to be tended, animals needed to be fed, food needed to be made, people needed to be fed, things needed to be cleaned, children needed to be tended to, all that good stuff going on. I can't imagine with the lifestyles that they had, that they had much free time in all honesty, to spend so much time worshiping. So their worship and their our veneration, I should say, or the time they spent working on their faith had to be, I don't want to say semi-small, but not huge. So if we look to them like we're supposed to, we, we search our ancestors and we learn from them, we learn that this is the way it needs to be done and this is the way we should do it. Small meditations and small verses of the have them all learning what Odin wants, asking what he wants, sacrificing something to ask him for what we want to learn from him. It's pretty simple. Teaching our children of the gods, teaching our children the stories of the gods. You know, I could see them sitting down at night after the whole day was done before going to bed and maybe taking, you know, a half hour telling a story from one of the sagas or one of the Eddas of, you know, one of the gods doing something like... Loki stealing, I don't know, Thor's wife. You know what I mean? Things like that. And I, I could see the kids intently listening to that story and then going to bed afterwards and dreaming of it or, you know, thinking on it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think I think there were, there were big celebration days, like feast days and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the whole community would come together and pull together resources to celebrate that day. But the individual the individual practice was left to a few moments here or a few moments there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yesterday was midsummer. You know, that's the other thing. Learn our holidays. Learn our important days. So, not yesterday, the day before was midsummer, pardon me. A few days ago, the right. 21st. And then yesterday was the full moon. You know, these are two very important days. We have the changing of one month to another, and we have the solstice... For the summer, the halfway mark. This is where we understand that our ancestors were halfway to harvest. I mean, it's it's going to be where the days are starting to wane now rather than grow, which means things are going to start um, progressing really quickly 
into the season of cold is coming. You know, and in their mind, you know, this is what's going on. We, we need to step into them and understand them. And as we do these things, we begin to understand our ancestors more. We begin to understand ourselves more. And in understanding ourselves more helps us to venerate the gods better, helps us to get in touch with nature around us, everything we're looking for. I want to say it's really simple to learn to be a Gothar. It's really simple to learn to be, you know, whatever you want to be in this faith. Even if you just want to be better in the, in the faith, all it takes is a commitment to taking a few moments a day to setting that goal and moving toward that goal consistently. I mean, I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to be a Gothar and I'll be it by the end of the week. It doesn't work that way. It's taken, what do you say, Kel? Ten years? Yeah, about years. ten years or so. Yeah, about ten years or so. And, you know, I'm still learning every day. And I'm still learning new things each and every day. And I, you know, I still venerate the gods. And I still do the to remember, you know, my faith. It just takes time sometimes to do what we need to do. So, um, that's those two parts. The next part is, you know, how do I become better in the faith? Well, you know, I'm going to say this and read, 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 and read. And when you're done reading, read a little more. When you're done doing that, study some. And look and learn and study and pray and sacrifice and back to all the same stuff again. It's just the same. Practicing the faith is the key. It's not an easy faith. It's not by far a... It's not a lazy faith. Yeah, it's not a lazy faith. I don't want to say that. I mean, the, the books I have take up a whole shelf alone just for the faith. You know, so, so that's the beginning of it. The next part about that is learn the runes. I, I don't mean to say this weird, but learn to cast runes properly. Learn to do this... Let your runes become part of you. Sleep with them. Carry them around with you. Make them part of your life like you want them to be. Because if they're answering questions that help you along your life, they should be part of your life. My first set of runes I slept with for six months. I wanted them to truly be part of me. They sit in a special bag. They are by themselves. The bag is ornate for them specifically because they are that important in my life. You know, I'm just saying these runes are telling me what the future is, the past is, the present is, helping me decipher stuff. The gods talk me through them. The Norns go ahead and project themselves onto them. They're that important. We need to treat them as that important. We need to learn to study them, understand them, Put them together, make them what they are, and really learn how to cast those runes. It's that important. Again, study, 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 and read, and practice. And I think for your first set of runes, you have to have that personal connection with them. Yes. Whether you make them, whether you feel drawn to them, mm -hmm. it has to, it has to, has to, has to, has to, has to be that personal connection. Right. They have to become yours, and you have to become theirs. Um, that's the best way to describe it. If you don't feel it, and it's not felt by both of you, it's not going to work. You know? Um, it's really strange, but I'm just going to say it that way, but... 
you have to really work on those runes. Um, they are the thing that's going to help you to understand what's going on around you, help you understand your day, give you insight into your day before your day begins, all that good stuff. So learn those runes. Um, I have, what's the one I have with the big one? The um, Taking Up the Runes yes. by... By Diana Paxson. Yeah, that's a really good one. Not that I say one person is better than the other one. I just really like that one personally um, because it's, you know, each and every rune alone. You go through each and every rune. You learn chants and meditations for each and every rune. You can learn through them. You can meditate on each rune. You, there's certain... Um, it's a very in-depth book. Very, very in-depth book. Um, take pieces of it. Take the whole, whatever you want to do. Definitely... Get something that's going to help you to understand the runes and how to read them. Um, once you learn that, even if, I'll be honest with you guys, I, I've forgotten some of the names of the runes, and I know that sounds really weird. I have to go back and look every now and then because they're not ingrained so much in my life every single day. I have to go ahead and go back sometimes and look at their names and remember them. It's not that they're very hard. It's not that they're this or that. Just that sometimes, you know, I live in America. I write in English. You know what I mean? So, you get it. But, it's okay to forget. It's okay to not remember. But always have that ability to look up and go back and see, which I do. So, I could do a rune cast like there's no tomorrow, but I don't remember the names of all the runes. I know what they mean, but I don't know what they, you know, their actual names are. And the other thing is we have multiple names for them, and depending on who you're reading for, you're going to use the name that is more suitable for them. So, with that said, that's the runes. Oh, and one thing that you could do if you want to meditate on a certain rune, one of the uh, tools that we've found that works really well is tattoo pens. Yes. So you can mark yourself with a certain rune and meditate on that rune all day long yep. and ingrain it into yourself. Yeah, if you put it in the back of your hand or something so you don't forget it all day and it'll be visible all day to you, you know. I know some people work at different things and you can't do that, but... But even if it's on your body somewhere, even if it's not visible, you know it's there. Right. And you can think on it when you have a chance, meditate on it when you have a chance, mm -hmm. you know, think on what its meaning is, and it becomes part of you. Right. And then once you learn them, you're able to go ahead and once they become a piece of you, you're able to understand them more as you cast them out. So, also find a way to cast, a specific cast that works for you. Uh, style of casting that is yours and yours alone or that you saw somebody else do that you like i mean just something that you can truly follow and what it's going to say is at the end of this is don't make it so complicated it sounds complicated it sounds like it's something that it sounds like it's a lot of hard work it's a lot of hard work it is hard work but take it light do it lightly find ways to do it that are easy for you and do it at your own pace Yes, do it at your own pace. Nobody can tell you how fast it's going to take or how long it'll take for you to do the things you need to do but you. Okay? Like exercising your mind, this is exercising your faith. Take your time. It takes time to build up the body. It takes time to build up the mind. It'll take time to build up your faith. It's something that you take slow, you take light, move forward. The farther you get along, the weightier you can get, just like in bodybuilding. Um, you know, you're not going to walk into a gym your first day and pick up a 500-pound barbell and just start pumping it and saying, yeah, this is me, I can do this. It's not going to happen. 
you know, but if you take your time over the next year, year and a half, you may be able to pick up that 500 pound and lift it over your head and say, yeah, see, I did that myself yeah, and become a power start, lifter. You might have to start at that one pound weight and start right. lifting those little one pound weights and, and right. move up to five pounds, move up yeah. to 10 pounds and then keep so going. Take your time, build slow. Learn. The first things you have to learn are the gods, how to venerate them, how to understand them, how to meditate to them. The next thing you want to learn is the ancestors, then the runes, and go from there. Just keep on reading the Eddas and the stories and everything else, and it'll all come. Um, one of the best things i found is um, YouTube has some of the books already on it that you can read aloud, or it reads aloud for you. And you can listen, you can do that. Yeah, audiobooks are great. Yep, audiobooks are really good because you can get the prose edda, you can get the poetic edda. In audiobooks, you can get Neil Gaiman's book, you can get The Children of Odin by Padraig Colum. All these things you can get pretty easily on audiobooks. And most of them, honestly, are free. So you can go ahead and they're in public domain and just really knock them out. So... That's about all I have to say today. Um, it's pretty simple. The faith is, I don't want to say simple, but it's pretty simple to get there. Um, just take your time doing it, and you can do it. I mean, it's not that hard. I know everybody has it in them to do that, and I know everybody has it in them to become better. And I want to thank you and hail you for wanting to be better. I want to hail you for listening to Modern Heathen Man, and I look forward to talking with you guys soon. Thanks for joining me. You guys have a great day.